0: It's CEO Jen. After watching this season, I've been inspired by Bobby and Lindsay, and I've decided to go my own way and start my own time travel weather podcast. Stay tuned to like and subscribe. Welcome to the season seven Out of Practice Hoopsie Awards! Tonight. We hand out prestigious awards for Distinguished Achievements in The Practice Season 7. Starring Dylan McDermott. Cameron Manheim. Steve
1: Harris. Lisa Gay Hamilton. Lara Flynn Boyle. She make me happy, Kelly Williams.
0: Marla Sokoloff. Jessica, I forgot her name already, Capshaw. And Kyler Lee, with appearances by Alfrey Woodard. Anton Yelchin. Paulin Taylor. Our boy Ray Abruzzo. Terry Polo. An adult serial killer dressed as a delivery boy. An adult serial killer dressed as an old-timey delivery boy. Superman banging his brother's wife. The Rocketeer banging his brother's wife. Another dressed-up serial killer. It's a musical for one episode. So many eagles taking flight. Jimmy does it with the sister of a... (laughs) Hold on. Jimmy does it with the sister of a WCW World Heavyweight Championship. Bobby does it with Mrs. Santos. Did Jamie do it with Eugene? We say yes! Yes! We were promised puke! Alas, we got no puke! Andy McDowell takes a cannon to the show's cannon? Bye, everybody! And now, your hosts, Keith Varney and Michael and Deglio! Woo! Oh, we did it. We did it. We actually almost got that timed out correctly and almost got it right. Is our brand welcome to the out of practice podcast? Here we are. This is the oopsies season seven. Mike, can you believe we have gotten all the way to the season seven award show?
1: Uh, no, no, I cannot. I think we should do our toast first. Just ah, uh, yes,
0: indeed. There
1: we go. Thank you. you, you We've uh, put it in front of me. Hmm. Oh, you put a tie on, buddy. Yeah, I did. It's season seven. Hello. I know it's funny because we basically did I do this wrong? Yeah, I'm sure I did. We uh, we 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 cut costs in a lot of different ways, as you can see. CEO Jen has uh, decided to uh, go her own way, which we you know we wish her the best of luck. I hope that her podcast. Uh, we know Phoenix will not be listening because he's uh, uh, not a fan of of time machine weather. But you know what? We we sure all, we wish her the best, and we want you all to know that she kept her financial stake in the company. So, uh,
0: she'll be so fine. she can still fire us all for financial reasons before yes. our final season. Yes, yes. Great, great. Okay, well, you know, hey, Bon Voyage CEO Jen, uh, I do hope uh, that you'll come back and do a cameo for the series finale at I'm least. Sure she I will. mean, I, I feel like our audience will feel like they didn't get a, a real finish if we don't at least get a cameo. So you know, uh,
1: it's funny you say that actually, because I've been mm-hmm. I've been having uh, sort of emotions this week about this season. I'm excited we get to talk about it and celebrate it this week because my my general feeling about this season of the of the show that we do a podcast about, not our show, has been one of sort of I can only compare it to a relationship I had once, Keith, where <laughs> that is mm-hmm. analogous to the Bobby Lindsay relationship where you know, it was clear to I think both of us that the relationship had run its course, but right. I just held on a bit too long and things got complicated and at the end uh it sort of blew up it didn't need to blow up uh but but i think that we came to an understanding in the end and and i feel like that's what season seven sort of was it was it was clear that there was that we were running out of road and maybe held on a bit too long things got a little crazy mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. at least we were able to end things as people uh before we fire everyone and uh just start from scratch next year
0: Basically, so so what you're saying is that you had an affair with Terry Polo, and then there was some sort of a canon. Is that how that ended? Yeah, you know, I, I, let's, in a way. <laughs> in a way, as Mike dodges. See what that's, that's a dodge. Oh, that's right, it's Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's, everybody. Well, you know what? We have so much to talk about so much exciting things to talk about for season 7 of the practice but you know before you get to eat your dessert you got to eat your vegetables yeah and 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 what are the vegetables of this show it's us talking about ourselves so it is time to talk about this day summer in the basement we are going to talk about this summer in the basement it's our la- mic it's our last summer vacation uh, it's true you're right. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's hard to believe, but this is the uh, the last time we will have a break between seasons of The Practice. Uh, lots went down. Mike, t- tell me, the summer of 2003, so this is like May through September of 2003, what happened in your life? It is also, I should say, the last summer before we knew each other. I know, weird. Uh, and yeah. actually, so... I
1: talked last season finale about my first audition and first job in Mount Gretna Playhouse, which happened this summer in 2003, but I've already discussed it. In fact, if you want to go back on the YouTubes, I showed pictures of the Mount Gretna Playhouse where I had my first professional gig. And I talked about a very special show called Forever Plaid. And what made this Forever Plaid special, now, as I've said many times before, I I went on to do literally thousands of other performances of Plaid that were so much better than this one. Mm-hmm. And no disrespect to anybody involved. In fact, I worked with some of the guys, again, in plaids, various places, but we were we were so green and the direction of the show had really no context of what the show was supposed to be or how it was supposed to be choreographed. There was just so many things. But it was the first, and I love these guys. And one that ended up happening was, after we closed in Mount Gretna after the two weeks, four perform- six, six performances we did, We brought it up to Rochester, Keith. And right before the summer ended, and we would end up having about a a year run in Rochester at the downstairs cabaret theater. Mere feet
0: from my dorms
1: in college. Barney actually worked at the Rochester Phil uh, uh, box
0: office. That was my side. Sure, right. Right there on Gibbs Street next to (laughs) to Java's coffee place. That's where I first had a garbage plate or a garbage pail or a garbage something.
1: Not at Java's. no, 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 I'm just saying that street. In Rochester, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I happen to have, uh, though it's <sighs> a little early, I happen to have a clip of a very young pixelated mic because, you know, HD oh. wasn't a thing yet. Mm. And uh, as we have found from the episodes of the show, and I thought but that now would maybe be Back when we
0: didn't need uh, to be low definition, and now we have HD, we're like in 4K, but we could really could, you know, 320 yes, by 240 is plenty
1: uh, and so uh this is man it, everything about it is terrible but oh I can't wait it was the first plaid and it was just, like just there's no uh, I can't wait let's just go with it
0: No just give it to me
1: I think this should should be working hopefully What
0: well, well okay then, you know I'm just going to uh, make mouth noises until uh until it shows up <laughs> This was Which me playing Frankie,
1: the only time I'd ever play Frankie.
0: Three hearts in the fountain, each are longing for its own. There they lie in the fountain. There somewhere in the heart of hey, Your Jinx is good. Oh, he's great.
1: Which one will the fountain last? He went to Eastman. Which one will the
0: he did? Last? Yeah. When?
1: Hold on. Well, let's find out.
0: Just one wish will be he
1: uh, he was like 19 here, and he had just make he had gone to Eastman when he was a younger kid. Jack mine, Beatles, his name. I would have known him at that. point. Or maybe he was going to go to Eastman. Maybe that was it.
0: and we're dead. And um. We That's Eric
1: got... Hogan. He's a video editor in LA now.
0: Technical stuff like the stars making conjunction with the. Oh jump... see, let's see. Let's see, young, young Mike. Let's, let's see.
1: See. The sound of our voices, Sparky.
0: <laughs> and expanding holes Neozone
1: the to make it possible for us to show that we couldn't have done and now we can. Anyway, <laughs> you're there.
0: We're here. And I'm Sparky. I'm Smudge. Jinx. He was my stepbrother
1: Frankie. The camera work here is really. It's really aggressive oh.
0: <laughs> Somebody was like I'm gonna win an Oscar uh, for this yeah,
1: Up there in the booth uh, That's our uncle Tom. Well he's not really our uncle it's just some guy that mom kept around the house ever since dad
0: went to Korea. <laughs>
1: anyway tonight on the piano we have our good friend. I sound like an 18 year old woman. Still. Oh, my God. Cousin Willie! (laughs) I haven't seen
0: this show since I did it.
1: We don't know him. He just came with the room.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: Anyway, we have waited an entire lifetime to stand before you tonight and ask the musical question. They're such goobers man the These, they're in such goobers three three coins in the fountain. Fountain. Keith and I are living our best right now I know we're like literally going to watch your
0: entire production of Vlad here live on the air That's,
1: this ending is not the way it's supposed to be done but we just fucking went for it
0: People, see! Look, that's a good production. Oh, that was great. That's so many, Uh,
1: so many good memories. I gotta say,
0: we have to do, we have to do geriatric plaid. Oh, we do, man, we do. One of these days, it's gonna happen. That's awesome. What else happened in your summer? Uh,
1: that that was uh pretty it. We so Mount Gretna. We went to the Jigger Shop. We got to have great ice cream. My mom got to see me do Forever Plaid. Uh, met these great guys, John Smiley, who was our smudge there, would go on to do multiple plaids with me. We're friends to this day. Um, just that was my summer. That was my summer auditioning, getting. I had I had moved back into the basement, literally into the basement with my mom, back in huh. uh, King of pre- or Collegeville, Pennsylvania. And uh, I was. Pre- I remember my girlfriend came to visit me in my mom's basement, and I was so hoping I wouldn't get stuck there. I had to leave New York. But it didn't. And uh I'll just say this the stage manager of this production here, uh her name was is uh Leslie, who you might recognize, Keith, because oh. she was the PSM on the Titanic tour. Hence how I got that job.
0: Oh, and how you and so I you met. had connections. Yeah. That's well, I never auditioned for
1: Titanic, right? I, I did and Kiss came in for a read. I thought that I would for sure play Barrett, but they were like, No, we got some guy who uh <laughs> <laughs> Turns out, would uh, go on to have my career.
0: There it is. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's. I mean, wow. I didn't see. I didn't know how you. I, I thought you went in like I did to a cold open call. The only time any anyone's ever gotten a gig that way. Uh. All right. Well. Awesome. So I have a bunch of sort of news and notes, kind of a things that I was up to, uh, because I you know went back to the emails. And found, of course, that uh, I did not remember this, but as as you were doing AMDA, I was considering at this point to uh, whether or not to enroll in Circle in the Square, oh. which was another similar sort of a theater school that both of my roommates at the time decided to go to. Uh, I decided not to um, and uh, wanted to go home and play hockey for the summer, uh, okay. which is exactly what I did. Um, so I was, uh, I was in Vermont playing hockey a little bit. I was also swamped, um, at my day job. Uh, oh, that's my dad in the penalty box. I thought I sent you to, I, I was also in the penalty box that game, but, uh, anyway, so I was, so before I went to play hockey, I was still working hard at NYU and that summer I set up a big, um, Yep, yeah, So I, uh, set up a big, uh, dinner cruise for a, uh, a whole bunch of surgeons or whatever. That was like a thing. Uh, this was me I mentioned a couple weeks ago that I uh, sang at the uh, retirement um, concert of my high school music teacher Andrea Hollenbeek. and this is me. this is 23 year old me uh, singing she's got away inappropriately. Uh, you'll also note from that picture this was the beginning of skinny Keith mm-hmm. So this is when I I was in the process of dropping, Oh boy! About fifty-five pounds. Now, Keith, uh, when I first met you, you told me that yeah. the secret to your success
1: was simply giving up switching to diet cola. Is that the truth?
0: Uh, well, you know, I look back on it now. You know what the secret to success is: being, being twenty-three 22. years old. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you like, if you really want diet tips, my number one tip is B twenty-three. with a metabolism that needs no help all you have to do is be 23 and not eat a stick of butter with every meal uh but yeah i mean like i did of course like become very restrictive in my diet and exercise and by the time i was doing titanic later that year i was unhealthily thin so uh you could like see my friggin' spine uh not true anymore i have made up for it in spades uh, so I was, so I was doing that. I also did, um, my first paid audition, um, sort of like a paid, like audition workshop where you pay 250 bucks and they, they drag a, a uh, Broadway casting director to give you some feedback. And, uh, of course I did that and I thought, you know, the guy was nice to me. He was like, Oh, you're good. But whatever. I was like, I'm going straight to Broadway. I was like, I'm, gonna, I'm a that. Broadway star immediately. Easy, easy oh. peasy. Oh my God. I, and I thought, I had so many assumptions. One, I thought he was a much bigger deal than he was. Two, I thought he had so much more power than he did. Three, he, I thought that he was like, I'm going to like put you in a Broadway show as opposed to like, I'm just being nice and supportive because I've been paid $1,000 to spend an evening with you idiots. So, uh, but oh, our open hearts and just believing that, uh, oh, little things that we didn't know. But here, here's the thing that I find most interesting about this summer that I had completely and utterly forgotten about. And I actually had to do a bunch of research to figure out what the heck these emails were about. Uh, Because all of a sudden, David E. Kelly comes up as a subject in emails between me and my family. uh, And not about the practice. And I'm like, why is my father sending David E. Kelly trivia to me? That's so weird. He didn't even know about the show. One trivia question I have before you continue. Okay.
1: What do your emails about David E. Kelly and our podcast have in common?
0: Nobody reads them?
1: Also, not about the practice.
0: (laughs) That's very much true. Continue. Uh, So, uh, as it turns out, um, this summer was when David E. Kelly was launching the ill-fated Brotherhood of Poland, New Hampshire, which we had talked about a little bit, which was a, a new David E. Kelly show that they'd put out with Randy Quaid headlining. Uh, it was on CBS and sadly only lasted six or seven episodes. Um, and uh, But I didn't remember that uh, that show was sound designed, sound effect designer by Sean's uh, old partner in crime on Star Trek. And so he reached out to Sean and said, like, hey, uh, the show's set in New Hampshire. We need some uh, specific New England sounds. And so my father was out recording a bunch of sounds for the show. And so here's the hit list of sound effects they needed for the show. Uh, Needed uh, birds, various day and night, winds, cold through trees, cold ambient still, Small town ambience, day and night, small town traffic, day, night, town, rural, distant traffic tone, wet and dry, ice skating on lake or exterior rink, skating only, and then a hockey game in practice, snow melting, which I guess is just water, uh, and other uh, small town things, like some hard sound effects such as wood doors, houses with nice character from winter swelling, furnace, on, run, off, church, or town bell. So, my father was all excited because he was contributing sound effects to this show that David E. Kelly wrote and created. And I'd forgotten that we uh, we contributed one small piece to David E. Kelly's lore that summer. So, uh, so, there you go. So, that is what was going on our summer in the basement. You want to know hey, what it's time me, like, for? like,
1: 25 pictures.
0: Oh, well, oh, yeah, show more pictures. I forgot what I... I don't even remember what I said. I was waiting for you to, like, segue into them, and then I was going to, like... No. No, get, you know, folks, I have COVID, so I don't I don't remember what I'm talking about. Oh, this was also the summer that Howard Dean was beginning his run for president in 2004. Woo! And, of course, he'd launched in uh, Burlington, Vermont, of course, and my parents, of course, were there. And so these are some pictures they took from his announcement speech. Um, Keith, that and, uh, race was quite the barn burner. It was. Oh, thank you. So this was also what was going on at my parents' house. We were building our barn. Um, and so uh, that is what is to what is now the the barn. I mean, it's sort of self-explanatory. We don't use it for necessarily a barn. My father has a workshop and a, uh, and a garage on the first floor, and the second floor is this big open space for... Uh, now just storage of, of nonsense, but... Hey, no, nonetheless, I'd say that barn is the cat's pajamas? It is. Oh, thanks. You know, Mike is here picking up for the uh, the segues here. So this is... A, I, I just like this picture because it makes me happy. So this is my two childhood cats and then the two cats I got in college. So that is from uh, top left, that's Frog. And then Toad asleep to the right. And then that's Charlie and Bigfoot all cuddled up because it's cold in Vermont. Hmm. So uh, that's Charlie Sr., who looks an awful lot like Charlie Jr., who you have all seen. Uh, Did I put any more pictures or is that it? That's it. That's it. Okay, good, good, good. I uh, don't remember what happened uh, earlier today. So so there it is. I think it's time to zoom out a little bit and just give a, a little touch of what was happening. It's time for the out-of-practice podcasts this day in the world. The greatest hits, the biggest movies,
1: headlines from Vermont, essential (laughs) sports updates, and for some inexplicable reason, the weather from 20 years ago. Now back to Keith and Mike.
0: Very briefly, the top movies of the summer 2003 included The Matrix Reloaded, (laughs) Finding Nemo. I tried to, I watched the first Matrix with Jillian. Uh, recently, and it was like, oh, it's so good. And then I start, and then I watched Matrix Reloaded. And I'm like, wow, that there's a precipitous drop off. Uh, also, that summer was Finding Nemo, the so first good. Pirates of the Caribbean, Freddy versus Jason, which is definitely a uh, guilty pleasure of mine. Too Fast, Too Furious, that uh, that series continued. The top songs were Get Busy by Sean Paul, 21 Questions by 50 Cent. This is The Night, Clay Aiken, Crazy Yeesh. in Love with Beyonce. So uh, lots of uh You could never convince happening. me that all of those songs and movies came out in the same year. That's crazy to me. They sure did, just in the same summer. That was uh, a lot going on. A lot going on. And uh, Finding Nemo, so- I remember weeping pr-
1: incredibly. Freddy versus Jason, I remember seeing with my brother in the movie theater. We loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've never seen A Fast and Furious, and I don't plan to.
0: Yeah, okay. Well, shots fired, uh, Vin Diesel. If you want to come in here and uh, talk to Mike, he's right here. Actually, you know what? If Vin Diesel would like to contact us, I think we would like to uh, tell him how he can contact us with a clip from uh, this season here with a a soaring musical rendition of our contact info. Uh, this is what you miss if you don't watch all the way to the end of yeah, the not guys I
1: feel bad for you because you missed uh, hold on I'm getting there I'm trying so hard so, to get there so
0: if you yes here it is uh, this is of course coming off our John Ashcroft scenes of glory uh,
1: see, it, the, see I do I used to do all this work in post for the mm-hmm. final tag that and then I stopped basically because like no one looks at it but once in a while, I'd get a uh, bug up my this, butt. And, this
0: one was worth it. And this, Keith this.
1: sometimes would watch, and uh, I was hoping he would, because we we weren't drunk, but damned if it didn't seem like we were. Uh,
0: boy. All right. Well, there there you have it. We have now discussed <laughs> this case ad nauseum. Mike, uh, I, I think instead of explaining what it, because we all know what that means, Mike, why, why don't you sing with our buddy John? Take us out. Let, Let be the evil Yeah. Like she's never. You soul.
1: can contact us by writing yeah. at out of at gmail.com. Or you can People always hit us on soul. Facebook at out of practice podcast. People. Would you like to write us your lyrics to this song? you can do so as so joining the journey leaving a rating or review on Apple Podcasts so Don't forget our wonderful sponsors like she's Jorge Nerva so Cloud Lover 69 Leanne the Rice, Rice Massanova
0: Jennifer so and so Carrie Cool. So so oh, oh, key change how you can like donate to our little show. From uh, Rocky Coast. Now, if you would Golden like Storm. this song to stop, you should take out your device and hit it. Take out your laser and hit your device with some laser sounds. Laser sounds. <laughs> from Rocky Coast. And then, so- apparently, Mike decided to end this with John Ashcroft <laughs> literally burning in hell. Well, some would say it was a subtle editorial point made by me, but, you know. <laughs> I'm not sure how subtle it was. <laughs> well, see, folks, you know, that's what you miss. Stick around to the end, or, or skip to the end, because, you know, yeah. listening to our opinions is a waste of your time, but Ooh. occasionally we have some fun nonsense at the end of the, at the end of the show oh that, made me laugh. oh that made me laugh so uh you know what we typically do here at this stage in our oopsie spectaculars is uh announce how many Emmys we won because uh, man we were cleaning up a lot so let me just give you a rundown of the 2003 Emmy Awards uh, uh it's gonna happen why why are we muted? Oh, oh, right, right, right. I I did it down. Here we go. The 2003 Emmys! The winner for Best Drama Series is... The West Wing! The winner for Best Comedy Series, not in our category, but was Everybody Loves Raymond. The winner for the Dramatic Actor in the 2003 Emmys are... James Gandolfini from The Sopranos. The winner for the dramatic actress is... Edie Falco for The Sopranos. The supporting actor in drama was... Joe Pantoliano from The Sopranos. <clears throat> the best supporting actress in a drama. Time Daily for Judging Amy. And finally in the Outstanding Guest Actress in a Drama. The nominees are Barbara Berry for Law & Order, Kathy Bates for Six Feet Under, Farrah Fawcett for The Guardian, Tova Feldscha for Law & Order, Sally Field for ER, and Alfred Woodard for The Practice. And the winner is Al free won! We hey. won! We totally won. That was our only nomination, uh, but we won 100% of our nominations that year. I would have had a clip, but it's not on the YouTube. Um, what is available is not the 55th Annual Emmy Awards. You, it, it is available if you search the 55th Annual Ohio Valley Emmy Awards. So, you know, if you, if you want to spend an afternoon, it's about four hours long. It's there. So... Uh, Congratulations, Alfred Woodard. That very well excellent. deserved. She was excellent. Very, very well deserved. Um, so that was uh, it. Was we've had a couple of uh, off years for the Emmys. We've one more season left. Will we get any more of those glorious statues? We'll have to see. But we're not talking about season eight right now. We are talking about season seven of The Practice. So uh, which feels I think,
1: like the last season. Like I, I still, and you know. I still can't comprehend what the show is now. Like I, I can't, and well, that's what I'm excited gonna... about next week. But so this feels like a this feels like a a, a finale finale. But I know it's not because we get a full it's run not, of season eight.
0: So it is it is not a finale finale. In fact, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna spoil something, just just for just for fun. Uh, season eight wins way more Emmy awards than season seven. Than one? I mean, way more? Well, it w- it wins a couple more than one. So, okay. uh, just saying. Something to look forward to. All right. But now it is not time to look forward. It is time to look back. Because, guess what? Uh, the season went for a long time and we're old. So, uh, it is time to recap Season 7. So, we all can remember together before we talk about it. So uh, we're going to do some high and and uh, just take a look back at season seven of The Practice. We began with the season premiere privilege. Uh, Michael, would you give a high Koopsie? Uh, absolutely. Bye bye, Lindsay Dole.
1: Helen forces Jimmy's hand. It's all up to Beck.
0: This is the one where Lindsay goes to jail for life. And Rebecca gets the call (laughs) to rescue her. Meanwhile, Jimmy's client kidnapped a kid a million years ago. And didn't we do this before? Yeah, remember, we were so excited for Rebecca. We were so excited for Rebecca. Let's find out what happens. Season 7, Episode 2 is entitled Convictions. The appeal begins, Jimmy tries to have his cake. We have one more chance. Helen tricks an innocent lady when it when it was Jimmy's client, who did it? Jamie saves the day. Meanwhile, Rebecca tries to save Lindsay at the Supreme Court. So uh so the, the Jimmy's kidnapper lady Like, you know, Helen was going to put the other one in jail, and uh, Jimmy had to figure out what to do in that circumstance. Let's go to season seven, episode three, and titled, Of The I Sing. Helen is a shark. Crier
1: says don't smoke with dick. Wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) Let me start over. Helen is a shark. Crier says don't smoke with dick. DA's up Schmitz Creek. (laughs)
0: <laughs> you were actually you were right the first time. Helen secretly saves Lindsay. Remember that? Yes. And John Cryer shows his wiener.
1: Hey, well, hey, Jen, as a protest to,
0: to be anti-smoking, so it's really Crier says don't smoke with his dick. Oh no! What happened? Sorry, the cat. The cat uh,
1: almost shut off the computer, but luckily he oh, didn't. Shit. It was really <laughs> close. I don't know how it didn't happen, but. Thank God it didn't.
0: Next up, season seven, episode four The Cradle Will Rock. A baby is dead.
1: His parents could have saved him. Were they playing God?
0: In this episode, Smitty's mental health goes to piss ass crap. A Christian science couple killed their kid. Next up, season seven, episode five Stem Cell Neighboring Species Stem
1: Cell Research Trial. One moment of Lindsay's time. Ah, clever, Mike. Two wins despite sins.
0: It's a musical. They literally sung a full song on the show. (laughs) Next up, season seven, episode six, The Telltale Nation. Can victims
1: be blamed? Bobby has crisis of faith. Black Widow
0: returns. And guess what? I have like, I had a high koopsie as well. Everything is fucked. Mike is too scared of landmines. This did not go well. In <laughs> this episode, the Catholic Church does Catholic Church things, and we get our tenth twisty Black Widow for free. Season seven, I um, mean episode seven. Small sacrifices, sacrificial goats. A boy statutory
1: raped. Oh God, we're all hip- <laughs> <laughs> we're all hypocrites.
0: Mike's happy radio <laughs> voice didn't help him there. <laughs> the episode entitled "Wow," Anton Yelchin was such a talented child actor. Yeah. <clears throat> episode eight, bad to worse. What the hell was that? That didn't make any sense. At least Keith sang hi. <laughs> I don't remember that. This episode, uh, Lindsay defends a racist a little too, well, something about a murdery cheerleader? Hmm, things are starting to, wheels are starting to come off at this point. <laughs> episode nine, The Good Fight.
1: Bobby loses. Bobby lost his shit. Bobby lists his shit. Bobby <laughs> lost his shit. Can you search without consent? Let the eagle fly. Why did I say fly
0: and not soar? I well, I, I don't think we'd really fully encapsulated all of the glory of John Ashcroft quite yet, but we did okay. have fun with the Fourth Amendment. Episode 10 entitled Silent Partners to Murderer Day. Will the Will the sick guy get away? Leave it to Beaver. Lindsay's like, no more criminal cases, no more serial killers, especially if they're obsessed with me. Then she takes a criminal case with a serial killer who is obsessed with her. Episode 11, Down the Hatch. Booze biz finally pays? Got to
1: be crazy to live? Where is Rebecca? Take that,
0: brewery. Hey, is that Alfrey Woodard?
1: Emmy Award winner, Alfrey Woodard. Yes, episode 12, Final Judgment. A life and death
0: fight. Bobby's threat to sue is fucked. Plead for the future. It is Alfre Woodard. Wow, she's great. So was Eleanor. Bobby's an asshole. Episode 13, Character Witness. Three cases to judge. A lie, a bra, a puker the friend zone of tires oh yikes jimmy's ex is hot but murdery lucifer's there too we meet claire yes claire who was set up came that was the one of the worst introductions but you know she did okay you know chekhov's puke was never played off it was not It was not successful. Episode 14, The Making of a Trial Attorney. Wrongful conviction.
1: It's hard making someone pay. I think I might puke.
0: Bobby helps a wrongfully convicted client. Claire hates soccer. Episode 15, Choir Boys. Did we sing that for a reason or we were just having fun? Uh, I don't know I don't I don't I think that you just happen to sing it and I <laughs> you don't know you take advantage of me being an actor. You put something <laughs> in stage directions and I just <laughs> go for it. Oh, I should really should have thought of to use that more before now. Uh, throw me a beep Kilo's
1: gonna kill one's a murder choir boy. Lindsay did not tell.
0: Oh right! It's a double serial killer episode. One's Oedipal, and the other delivers Oedipal arrangements. Nice one. Uh, let's go to seven episode sixteen special deliveries. Mail me the
1: body. I guess the son killed his mom. Lindsay is fed up.
0: Oh, and bodies. He also delivers bodies. Seventeen burnout. Victims need LinkedIn. Bangin' Superman's brother? Eleanor Fletcher. Superman is here and he's the bad guy. Episode 18, Capital Crimes. Life's in the balance when the politics steps in. Bobby's hot dog popped. <laughs> <laughs> the guy from Smallville gets railroaded by a bloodthirsty John Ashcroft. Episode 19 Less is more. Lindsay's
1: going off. Les Moonves might get blown up. What is happening?
0: Oh, this one. Ouch. Yeah. Episode 20, Heroes and Villains. Jamie is plan A. Bobby went and still fucked her. Lindsay (laughs) is wrote bad. Lindsay loves her serial killer after all. Bobby loves the lady from the West Wing. Episode 21, Baby Love. Eleanor butts in.
1: Eugene and Stringer both win. Claire Wyatt steps up.
0: It's the final baby daddy twist of the season. RIP Bobby and Lindsay's marriage. Episode 22, Goodbye. Bobby has to go. Fake a death to hide a bang?
1: We all make choices.
0: This is the one where most of the cast is abruptly fired. Surprise. Okay. Well that Ooh, what is a journey. season seven. Mike, do you, do you remember season seven more? I do. I do. It started actually pretty promising, I thought. Yeah? Yeah. And then well, we, we started st-
1: sort of recycling plots and murders and serial killers, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Lindsay like mm-hmm. moved next door. I believe. I remember the opening, if I'm not mistaken. Remember like somebody got mad and there was like a hole in the wall, and they're like, oh, there's a there's a guy who lives in there and then Lindsay made it an office and then shit all happened. All right.
0: Yeah, yeah, there's a mole man. I forgot about that. All right. Well, uh, you know what it's time for it's it's the reason you're all here. Loneliness. And yeah. See. Hey. hey. The Auto Practice Podcast in speaking of wheels unsolicited unsolicited falling off. Un-factual un-factual
1: it. Association with David E Kelly Productions proudly present. Oopsie. The Oopsies! Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike! What the hell are the Oopsies?
0: Oh, by now you know! It is time to announce... The Season 7 Oopsie Award winners, beginning, of course, with...
1: It's the same key, Keith. It's the same
0: key. (laughs) That's amazing. That's because everything's written in C in stock because it's the easiest one to play. Okay, so our nominees are... I should put the music back on for the nominees. The nominees are Eugene Young for Choir Boys, Heroes and Villains, Neighboring Species, and Down the Hatch. Jamie Jamie Stringer for Privilege, The Good Fight, and Burnout. Jimmy Berluti for Character Evidence, Capital Crimes, and Less is More. And Eleanor Ferrut From Small Sacrifices, Final Judgment, and The Only One Keeping Her Job. Oh, Eugene too, yeah. Okay. MVLs. So let me give some data here. Uh, In terms of the MVLs that we have awarded, which are a guide, we are not bound by this. It is merely a guide. Uh, Eugene won nine MVLs this season. Jamie Stringer won six Jimmy won six and Eleanor surprisingly only won four well and everybody you know, else got even
1: less Jamie had to definitely step up quite a bit I recall Jimmy definitely has made his full circle from the first time we saw him be just total buffoon and now he's he's wheeling a deal in fact he's mentoring uh Jamie and Claire however I think about Eugene this season and I think about having to put on his big boy pants. He helped Bobby get and Re- Rebecca get get uh um <clears throat> oh my god. The, Lindsay ha- out of prison. Yeah, the only
0: 146
1: episodes, but yeah, Lindsay yeah, out of it prison. And he's had to step up huge twice now when Bobby kind of he was on murder trial and when he went nuts cuz he you know his wife was in prison. And then at the end when Bobby abruptly leaves Everything's left in Eugene's court, so Eugene was having to, you know cases here and there, and and get you know people's life in his hands. But he's also have, having to nurse a fledgling relationship, run an office, and still uh, have time to, uh, I think, raise a child, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, I'm leaning towards Eugene right now. Uh, convince me otherwise.
0: Yeah, no, I I don't know, I don't know that I can. Um, I I will say that I think in terms of the impact because our our nominations come out because they won that episode Uh, they were the most valuable of that episode but not every episode is has the same level of importance some of the cases uh, don't really matter that much and we you know we got ourselves tricked an awful lot this season Mm -hmm. uh, by uh, any number of different things so if you think about the actual impact the show what are the two biggest highest stakes cases right it's the Alfred woodard case and Lindsay's case and so in those sense you could say that eleanor or rebecca really had the biggest like making the world a better place um sort of cases but i think i think you're right i think it is eugene for um the breadth of cases that he had um for having to fill a leadership vacuum in the office of which there was a tremendous vacuum for several different reasons. And he stepped up, he filled it. He's now the leader of the firm and, uh, he should be. And so, uh, I think you're right. The most valuable lawyer award for season seven goes to Eugene Young, the guy we want in our corner when we're finally caught for murder.
1: I think we'll take this moment though, to another shout out to Jamie Stringer, because I think Jamie, as a character, had the strongest season. I think that she did some great work. Legally. Legally, did some great work in the courtroom. She was kind of slut-shamed, victim-shamed, and yet held her head high and still did Yeoman's work for her client while still uh, doing great work as an assistant in the office and never losing her confidence. That
0: makes her such a great character. So, shout out. Yeah, I I think she might have grown the most. If we had a most growth of a lawyer. I think that Jamie would win it this year. Okay, it is time to talk about our best guest actor of season seven. The nominee. <laughs> that's a bad idea. <laughs> he chooses he's other than C. Yeah, th- th- no, that's not good. The nominees are. Alfrey Woodard for Down the Hatch and Final Judgment, Neil Smitrovich for you know all most of the season, Anton Yelchin for Small Sacrifices, and Terry Polo for all those times that she banged Bobby. Yes, indeed. Well, she certainly was the uh, best guest in Bobby's bedroom. Hold on, I got to figure out where this is playing. Okay, let's talk about it.
1: All right, so a couple of thoughts, and then I'll let you take lead. Uh, first thoughts, Anton Yelchin, awesome. We commented at the time, I still remember it. Forget the fact that he was, what a great child actor in that episode. He was just a great, he gave a great performance, period, for the the tone and tenor of that episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, Alfred Woodard, of course, uh, I believe it was two episodes. It was a great arc. She had to show, like, basically a descent and then a recovery from madness whilst being yep. on trial for murder. Pretty awesome. Yep, yep. Uh, Smitrovich well, Terry Polo, let me say, uh, I, there, at so many junctures of that, I thought that she was gonna be such a, such a well-written character, but then, like, they kind of cut her off at the knees all these different times. Like, they kept mm-hmm. making her be, like, not just a person who maybe is interested in Bobby, but then she's putting up all these boundaries, but then she is interested, but then she's not, and then she's giving counsel to both her, him, and Lindsay. It didn't really make a lot of sense, but great performance. Bill Smitrovich, though, for me, was given the hardest task. They were like, okay, you're gonna be the new kind of DA character after we killed one off and one just like went off to a different career. So just play it down the middle, but then we're gonna have you go full antagonist, like off the deep end bad guy, but they want to bring you back and have you be comic relief, but we still want you to have like a tinge of bad guy. It's and almost saying it like that, it sounds so flippant and like ridiculous, but it was exactly that. And yeah. somehow, he was still winning oopsies at the end of the season because he's that good. He yes. somehow held it together. I, I don't know how we can give it to anybody else.
0: No, I, and I I it's I'm surprised that you went there, but I I'm com- in complete agreement. I mean. Obviously Alfre Woodard won an Emmy and it was well deserved uh but she she doesn't need our awards she yeah. she doesn't have room for our award on her shelf. <laughs> let's be honest uh but I I think honestly like if any actor comes out of this situation uh who needs a new agent more, it's Bill Schmzovi because the fact that he was never in the credits. Never a main character on the show is a is a travesty, and I'm sure that changes a lot in terms of his compensation. It changes the residuals he gets for the show, and he, he's he's a main cast member. Mm-hmm. He should he shouldn't be nominated for best guest actor. He should be he should be in the, in, you know, in the the regular cast of the show, um, both because of the amount of work he does on the show, but also the quality of work he he had. I think he had more episodes and more lines than Larry Flynn Boyle did. Yeah, probably. I'm definitely, and, probably Lisa Gay too. Oh, well, I mean, certainly with uh, and uh, more than half of our cast, frankly, the way it broke down this year. So, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think it's pretty straightforward. Congratulations, wow. Bill Smichovich, with your Best Guest Actor Award for season seven. You deserve more, but at least, at least, instead of the Emmys and the million dollars you could have made, you get a fake award that's not even a physical object. So there it is. Uh, congratulations. You know what it's time for, Mike. Yeah, but what's it's that, time for Keith? me to It's time for me <laughs> to turn this volume up again. <laughs> it is time for the season seven Best Actor Awards! The nominees are Dylan McDermott for Privilege, the Telltale Nation, Small Sacrifices, Capital Crimes, and Goodbye. Kelly
1: Williams for Silent Partners, Choir Boys, Special Deliveries, and
0: Less is More. Jessica Capshaw for Burnout, Heroes and Villains, and Baby Love.
1: And Steve Harris from Bad to Worse, Neighboring Species,
0: heroes, and villains. Okay, you know, I'm just gonna stop it because I'm never gonna remember to turn it back up again and I'm gonna make a fool of myself for best episode. Michael, um, take it away. So I'm gonna start here, Keith.
1: I think Steve Harris, I think Jessica Capshaw are incredible this season. Jessica specifically, I think, was, uh, we, as we talked about, I thought one of the better written characters and better written arcs and so she, I don't want to say it was easy. There's some episodes there. It was really a tour de force. But I think be, not only because their work was great, but because we're saying farewell, I think we need to focus in on Dylan McDermott and Kelly Williams. Um, yeah. Uh, for similar reasons at the top. Number one, they both were all series long written uh, difficultly, Kelly Williams specifically, the Lindsay character, as we have discussed ad nauseum, I think is one of our biggest, I'll speak for myself, is one of my biggest disappointments with the series as a whole. I Mm -hmm. just love Kelly Williams and I love the character and they just, I, I don't know if it's that they didn't know what to do with her or they painted themselves in a corner and couldn't get out of it and so they kept trying different things and it happens in long running shows, but the Lindsay character just kind of, if you really looked at that character as like a real human being, Oh my goodness! Uh, just, just making decisions that doesn't make any sense. Uh, c- crazy things happening to her, but all along, despite all of that, Kelly was able to take that script, take a look at the long arc, and still make it somewhat make sense or be grounded as a character. Dylan, the exact same thing. Dylan started this series as the the main protagonist. This is his story. At least it started that way, yeah. and. In many in many aspects, they just you know you. I thought the trap would be you just make him a smoke show, and he's that's just what he is. He's the sexy kind of just guy who is just sexy all the time. But they actually you know they they made his character very complex and dark, and at times, many times, a total asshole, as we've sung.
0: Uh, and, <laughs> many
1: times. And yet he has handled that with grace and. Interesting choices at times, and he's gone full into it. In some of those darker asshole moments, he's gone for it. Even when he's going to cheat on Lindsay, you know, you you believe him when he's in in the crazy sort of fantastical Fenway Park and he's getting down on one knee and or they're getting married, and you believe it. You buy it because it's Dylan and he's working his ass off. And then when he's gonna cheat on Lindsay and make this terrible mistake, you believe that he's either got that he both has some feelings for Terry Polo, but also that he's going through the ringer. And I wanna commend, we talked about it on the show, the writing was here and there at times, but here are two people on television where it's usually just, will they, won't they? Okay, they will, happy ever after. Right. We're, we're, we're portraying a really complicated relationship with complicated stakes in a complicated work environment. And I thought, despite what we might say about the the, the arcs, they as actors were incredible in, in pulling that off, up until the last moment, where that flashback of Lindsay and Bobby meeting in the office, it, it was bittersweet. And it, it, it tongued on the heartstrings because we were along for the ride. So I really think this is down to Dylan and Kelly, and I could go either way, so I'm gonna need your input.
0: No, I I, I think you're right. Um, it's, it's, I mean, it's definitely their season, right? It's it starts with them and her in jail, and it ends with them and their divorce. Um, it's really tough to pick between the two, right? And I think that uh, I mean, yes, it's Dylan's show, and uh, but Kelly really does do a lot of the heavy lifting here. Um, I'm I'm looking through. I'm, I'm trying to figure out if I can find out who won all of the previous uh, season oopsies, but <sighs> boy, that's tough. I think I'm going to have to go with Kelly, mainly because it was just a harder lift, right? It's it, and And the writing for her was worse than for dylan and she made it work i th- i think i think that's it i mean she showed tr- a tremendous vulnerability she s- showed strength uh she showed righteous anger and rage she showed forgiveness uh you know i there honestly the last scene where she takes him out for a drink i think That might have been the best the character was written the whole season Mm -hmm. because it showed, like you said, grace, right? After all that they had gone through and all that had happened, her last beat is a beat of grace.
1: So I I agree with you. I agree with you, but I think that because we say goodbye to both of them this year, Mm -hmm and mm-hmm. because we know that, I mean, you and I, look, we're we're self-deprecating and we're humble, but the truth of the matter is is that when this is all said and done, Keith, I think the story of the practice will really be told by how we ranked it on this show, I think in the annals of time, and <laughs> I think it's important that we recognize that this last season mm. was really the two of them. So I'm gonna say Dylan McDermott so that we split-see here in the oopsies.
0: Ooh, a split-see, okay. No, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you did that. I think that is the right choice. So, uh, for the final time, congratulations to a split Dylan McDermott and Kelly Williams on your best actor of season seven. My goodness. Yeah, I mean, and uh, it's going to be the last time that they're eligible, wow. which is so crazy. Uh, yeah, well, and so here, I've gone back while we're talking, I don't have season one, but I think it was still Harris. No, Steve, Steve Harris. Harris was season one. Look, look at this, how this is broken down. Steven one, uh, season one was Steve Harris. Season two, Michael Badalucco season three, Steve Harris, Steve season four, Cameron season five, Lara Flynn season six, Kelly, and now season seven, mm. Dylan and Kelly. So pretty remarkable how, uh, it really has bounced back and forth this entire, you know, it's it's felt very... Uh, ensemble? <laughs> as, uh, ensemble, yeah. And as, as unbalanced as we feel like it is over the course of a season, over the course of a series, it really has uh, shown some balance. All right, we need to balance your time and move forward to our last, uh, not last, our next award. The out-of-practice oopsie awards for season seven nominees for best episode are "Small Sacrifices." Final judgment. Goodbye. The
1: making of a trial attorney. Okay.
0: So let me give. Let me give. uh, Let's do some do some recaps. So. Final Judgment, which was uh nineteen, no. Final Judgment was the one where we got Alfre Woodard out off of death row and released due to her uh, her mental illness. Small Sacrifices was obviously about the the Anton Yelchin story. Uh, Goodbye was the final episode where we also had the Rocketeer and the making of the trial attorney was the uh it was Claire's big moment and and Bobby's fighting for the 4th amendment I, I believe that was the one where he was fighting for the uh, for the client who had been uh, wrongfully imprisoned mhm mhm so uh yeah take take it away mike
1: So goodbye is the freshest in my memory, obviously. I've been thinking about it, thinking about it, and thinking about it. And, you know, it has the benefit of being last, and it was able to right some wrongs. It was able to kind of, like you said, I don't want to say fix Lindsay, but at least show us that she's going to be all right. Mm -hmm. And just some just wonderful work by Bobby and and all of everyone. I think that it's pretty palpable that even though maybe they don't know they're all getting fired there's moments in in that episode where they know that there's a finality to it. And I think that that's pretty special. Now I don't want to shortchange anything else. I remember also final judgment. We really, really, really liked, uh, or not final judgment. Uh, what was the one with Alfred Woodard? That, that is final judgment. Oh, I'm thinking goodbye. I'm talking about goodbye. Right. Uh, yeah, the Alfred Woodard arc was really great. I thought that it was, it asked interesting questions. Uh, it asked a lot of Eleanor to kind of really bring it, bring it into the dark side a little bit in order to do what she had to do. And of course, an Emmy award-winning performance. Uh, to be truthful, I, all I really remember about the Anton Yelchich episode that sticks with me is how great, how, how acting at the end of the day comes down, doesn't have anything to do with age. You know what I mean? It has to do with the person playing the stakes, and uh, that was a powerful episode. I know that we had to kind of walk on eggshells because it was really—it
0: <laughs> <laughs> was the intense. subject matter. It was intense. Uh, and, and, I, and I will also say about that episode, which I think is a, was a factor in our ratings of it, was this was I think I don't know I don't know which part of the arc this was, but this was very much in Bobby's relationship with the Catholic Church. Mm. Uh, coming out of the sex abuse scandal, right? So this was this was when he was wrestling with his not his faith, but with his religion, and David E. Kelly was working very hard to hold the the Catholic Church accountable for their uh, the way they handled the abuse. Yeah, and what a great moment for Bobby too to go to the mat for something. You know what I mean? Yeah, it it was the best of Bobby, I think, this season in terms of like being a good guy. So, it's hard for me to not give it
1: to the final judgment. I still think they're able to, even in an episode where we don't, we know viewing it where things are going more than the cast does. Right. <clears throat> I think that you did a really good job on that episode, giving a proper context to what they were aware of in the moment. And I think from an acting perspective, but also from a writing perspective, in giving a, enough finality, but also leaving the door open. Uh, and even David, I don't think at that point, knew that he was gonna have to hack and slash the whole goddamn cast. Right. I think it was a great lift. Uh, and for that, I think I'm gonna vote for Goodbye because uh, generally in the past, we've given it to that kind of bottle episode that really stood out to us. But this, I feel like, had so much work to do and it was really the, the only thing that was really lacking was really really powerful cases, like the great, uh, but it had, a, it had an interesting case. It did. No, no, no. It did. I feel like goodbye is as is, is best but I know that I'm emotionally swayed, but Yeah. That's
0: no, it's convince me otherwise. It, huh. Well, I mean, you know me. I care so much more about the bigger picture and the law and the social justice stuff than I do the interpersonals of the character. Um, so the small sacrifices dealing with you know the Catholic Church's abuse and how how they handled that. I mean, I, I thought that was really powerful. I was really glad to have it. Final judgment. You know, talking about the death penalty. And yeah, I, I thought was like he's very strongly there he deals for with that the death too. Yep. And and I you know and honestly like if David E. Kelly had two axes to grind for season seven, it was those two things. Um. You know, we'll talk about it in tires. So like I'm I'm pulled to those type of an episode. You know, and and the making of a trial attorney, where you had this this situation where they were uh, fighting against the uh, a, a wrongfully accused person getting uh getting a settlement from that, and I think that's that's also very important. So, but here's the thing, Mike, this is a collaboration, mm-hmm. right? We're 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 here to talk about a show but we're here because we're friends and i'm feeling generous and if your heart says goodbye i'm with you all right i will i will give it to goodbye as the best episode of season seven so it should be stated that
1: the the, the uh, i'm now looking at your sheet here it does look like the data backs us up there too
0: well yeah well the according for the data Final judgment got a nine point one nine average between the two of us. Small sacrifices nine point one. Oh, Goodbye was eight point seven eight, and making of a trial attorney was eight point five two. Uh, but you know what? Sometimes, hey. sometimes you got to follow your heart. You know, man, Keith. Over these seven seasons, you've really soft on us. You have softened. Oh, yeah, exactly. Plus, yeah, well, this you is know, COVID, Keith. We have to. I'm so hard. COVID yeah, that's Keith right. Is this is guy. COVID, Keith. <laughs> Keith has COVID. <clears throat> so. <laughs> Don't really know where i am uh all right but you know who uh you know knows where he is at all times and uh he might be making his uh final sacrifice here is the uh what's happening over there uh, uh lots of things lots of things are happening <laughs> while i'm trying to find the the cue here it is folks it is the season seven the tom brady award for being tom brady So, uh, I did the first three and then, uh, yeah, I got lazy, but crammed. I crammed like I did in college, except for I didn't cram. I just got mediocre grades. I Uh, didn't look at these yet. So I'm very, you didn't look at these fantastic. Well, lower your expectations because I rushed. So the season, the, here are the season awards for the Tom Brady award for being Tom Brady season or episode one. Tom Brady feeding borrowed children to sharks. Gross. It's 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 gross and bloody. Episode two, Tom Brady before a seven shark appeals court. <laughs> I'm just picturing you have to do this. <laughs> Wait, and then I made you make it the one lady, right? <laughs> no, no, that was me. Oh, okay. Tom Brady dropping his pants in court, Tom Brady. Awesome. Just looking good. Tom Brady's offensive line is all baby shark, Tom Brady. (laughs) A shark trying to eat Tom Brady's embryos, Tom Brady. Uh, The number 12 there, I see it, great. Yeah, the number 12, that's that's Screenshot from Jurassic Park. Bloody confessional, Tom Brady. (laughs) If you're keeping track at home, yes, that is the elevator scene from The Shining. Amazing sacrificing the goat tom brady oh that one's pretty good too another good jurassic park tom brady impersonating (laughs) a shark but it's tom brady (laughs) tom brady letting the eagle soar tom brady oh yeah at the lectern tom brady's descent into madness (laughs) while riding a shark what are you like when you're looking for these tom brady images what are you googling uh,
1: you know it's tom brady uh, looking crazy or something
0: yeah tom brady mad it's usually tom brady in <laughs> <and> an emotion <laughs> that one was a particularly good one for Descend the fbi into looking madness. at your
1: google results it's like what's happening
0: I, I i've said it for years if tom brady ever gets murdered i'm going straight to jail give me my medicine tom brady mm, that was good uh-huh tom brady breaking up with jimmy while limboing under a shark tom brady <laughs> Thanks for that one. <laughs> What's wrong with us? Tom Brady puking on a jury, Tom Brady. That one's really good. Uh-huh. Tom Brady in a creepy rocking chair next to a body. Ooh, that one's... I, I regret it. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Brady being delivered in a giant box. Tom Brady having coffee with a woman who is not Giselle. It's the queen. <laughs> Just for sheer randomness, that might be the winner. Nope, that Tom is. Tom Brady having his eyes pecked out by a soaring eagle. That, that, that could be it. He seems very happy with it. Tom Brady riding a cannon, Tom Brady. This one was so easy, it exists. Wow. Oh, shit, that's... Cryer, cool. crybaby, loser, Tom Brady. <laughs> We're such assholes. <laughs> Who, Tom Brady? Oh, Smart. I took it in a different direction. Partners, yeah. Brady, retiring with Bobby, of course. And a shark wearing Keith's face, crying sharky tears as Tom Brady stands on Mount Everest of football. Yeah, there you go, folks. You're looking at it. The number one, the winner this year. Here it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The a, a shark wearing Keith's face, crying sharky tears as Tom Brady stands on the Mount Everest of football.
1: Yeah, I think it, I think it deserves it.
0: That one took some effort. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That, that might right. be my new headshot. So, right. there it is. Only one thing left to do, I guess. There's only one thing left to do. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. All right. Hey. We got to throw a number at this season, Mike. To give you some context here uh, on our averages before I have you throw me a number for season seven. Uh, our season average for season one was 6.77 in our oopsies we gave it a six wow yeah harsh the season averages for season two it averaged at a 6.95 we gave it an average of a seven at the oopsies season two the season average, or season three, the season average was 7.11. We both gave it straight eights. Season four, it was, the average was 7.79. In the oopsies, I gave it a nine. You gave it an 8.5, an 8.75. And season five, the average was 7.76. We gave it an 8.25. Season six the average was uh, a number that i don't have up here but oh it's uh, 7.76 uh, i also gave that one in 8.5 and you gave it an 8 for an 8.25 oh wait no sorry that was last time we gave it a 6.9 was season 6 season 7 it is time for us to determine the score So, uh, just in case you're keeping track at home, our scores given out during the episode average out to a 7.46. I was a 7.39. You were 7.52. Man, that's funny because, you know,
1: it's like when you go to a funeral, uh, you always kind of, you always have nice things to say.
0: Okay. Yeah. You
1: kind of forget about the time, that he owes you twenty bucks and that. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, he, he fucked your wife. You know all these things. Uh-huh. Uh, and here's the thing: Bobby fucked my wife. I'm pretty sure. I'm sure of it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, um, good for them, I guess. Yeah.
1: So, uh, guys, let's let's be honest here. We're all friends and family. We're celebrating. This season was a hot ass mess. Um, it. It was clearly a show that felt like it was treading water uh, and then falling under the water and then gasping for air at times. There was some stunt casting. Sometimes it was pretty successful. I thought the Christopher Reeve episode was was pretty a pretty good use of stunt casting, even though it had the twisty twist. Then they bring in Andy McDowell for like maybe one of the worst episodes of the season. I see what they're trying to say. Like I possibly the worst episode of the series. It's certainly yeah, it wasn't in that great. world, yeah. And you know they they I th- I commend them for taking some big swings. That he went out, he went after some of his his access to grind and he also I thought took some risks with um general television plotline tropes. He definitely went a different way with the Bobby Lindsay relationship, which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. They wrote themselves into a uh, federal murder, first degree murder on a ma- uh, conviction of a main character and then right. got them out of it within three episodes. Uh-huh. And that sort of, I think, I think that sort of accentuates it. It's, let's try something. We're going for it. You know what? There's a bad idea. Let's get out of it. Yeah. I felt like yeah. we were yo-yoing that way. Now that said, and we've said this before on the show, they were saved at many junctures by excellent acting. You know, a lesser show would have crumbled under the weight of introducing two beautiful, capable, f- new female lawyers in a very tight office already. Uh, but they made them three dimensional, interesting characters, the actresses, and they made it kind of work. Other shows would crumble under woefully underusing a talent such as Lisa Gay Hamilton. Luckily, the car, the deck was stacked such that we were able to kinda, aside from longtime fans who were sort of upset about it, we were able to get through it. Other shows would crumble under the weight of taking an actor of such caliber, a character, uh, such caliber, excuse me, a character actor of such caliber as Schmidt and rewriting his character three times. And still, they were able to kind of pull back around. So, but at the end of the day, if you're not already a fan of The Practice and you started tuning in in season, season seven, I find it very difficult. And write me, write us an email if, if this was you and, and I'm wrong. I don't know that you stuck with it. And I sure as hell don't think you stuck with it into season eight, right? Uh, I'm gonna look back at those seasons where you got our main cast firing on all cylinders, bringing in Laraquette, having crazy scene-chewy bad guys, crazy, you know, I'm gonna look at that as like the heart and soul of the series. This mm-hmm. is, I think, we didn't, jar- I don't think the shark was jumped here. I think the shark was, we were, we were, we we're saying goodbye this season, this season a little bit. I'm excited to see what we pull together next season. But, but ultimately, if we're judging it on like the, the caliber of episodes in totality, the consistency in totality, the writing and all of that. I think it's one of the weaker seasons and it doesn't have the benefit as season one and two where it's getting its its feet beneath it. So though I guess in the moment I was, uh, I guess high on life uh, to give it a (laughs) 7.75, average i think that ultimately where i fall down is pretty subpar uh not quite bad but i think i'm going to say 5.75 spare tires for the season
0: okay Yep. Yeah. yeah i mean you know it's like you talked about the first two seasons uh, as a show finding its footing and this feels like a show losing its footing a little bit um But I also, there's, there's looking back on it, there's a lot more to like about this season than I remembered. Um, so I I just wrote down some themes that I noticed throughout the season. Uh, divorce, obviously it's a big theme. The Catholic church abuse, obviously a big theme. Uh, twists as usual, serial killers as usual, uh, plucky young lawyers from, uh, the CW coming in, uh it it had, let me talk about the things that I liked first. Um, David E. Kelly's axes to grind. Right. When David E. Kelly has an axe to grind, I think he is at his best. He has a focus. He has a determination. He has something to say as opposed to a oh, crap. What am I going to put this? What am I going to say this? You know, like I got to get an episode out. Um, I thought his holding the Catholic church accountable this season. What did the world a service I, I love that he put that that viewpoint out into the world I don't think a lot of people who saw that had heard that point of view or had really wrapped their head around that in a way that now we just sort of we take it for granted but I think that was sort of new then I really appreciated him doing that um, you know his continuing to uh, work against the death penalty he did that again with the Alfrey Woodard case, I really appreciated that. Um I think that that was really strong. Um the the divorce story, I think was was bold. I think it was really it's really difficult to do a divorce story that doesn't take a side. And it's tough because, you know, look, look. you go through a divorce, that is probably your least likable time in your life. Mm-hmm. Even if you're like a good person doing your best, you're not going to be your best in that moment. And uh, it was it was tough for the likability of both of those characters. Um, but I but I do like the willingness to tell that story. Yeah, totally. Um, so uh, I like that. Things I didn't like. I, I think this was also a very uneven season. Um, this was a season that had some... It had some filler episodes. You know, with the twisty twist stories that felt rehashed. You know, like I abducted a baby 18 years ago and now it's an adult. We we did that last season. We did it again. Um, you know, the... Bringing in the hot plucky CW lawyers... Um, you know i i think they did they were able to develop Jamie into an individual um in a, claire didn't get enough screen time to do that yeah she was on her way she's on her way but it's just there wasn't room for her. i don't know why she was there i mean you know no absolutely no uh no offense to the actor I, I think she's great she's she's been great on many things but the character there's no point there's no reason for her to be there and you're doing a disservice to your main cast who are criminally underutilized. I mean, we 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 talk about Rebecca being underutilized constantly and that is continues to be true. Um but Cameron was underutilized this season. You have one of the greatest actresses ever who has proven time and time again just like my god, give her some meat to chew on and she will obliterate it. And she got it she got one good arc. Right? Can you think of another arc that she had other than the Alfre Woodard thing? You know, she felt bad about Lindsay's case at the beginning of the season. Uh, That was kind of it, and then she was sort of there, just doing one-liners, just like "What are you doing?" I mean, like, you know, like Kyler's great, and she's a great actress. She's beautiful, but like, all of the screen time that she had could have been used for Lisa Gay or Cameron, and I would have much appreciated that. There was many more stories to tell there that they didn't get a chance to, to, to be there. So, you know, the serial killer, uh, we don't need to harp on that anymore. We've harped on the serial killer-ness of it all uh, a lot. Um, But I, I, I think, on the whole, this is a season that showed the series is in need of a fresh approach, right? I don't think it was in need of firing its entire cast, (laughs) but it was, uh, certainly a, uh, a, a, a refresh, a facelift, a, a change of a change was necessary. And so, um, that is not unwelcome as season eight approaches. It just needs some fresh air. And, uh, So I I I think we showed that we're in need of some renovations. So um, uh, what does that mean numerically? Uh, Did I detest it? No. There were some great moments, Mm -hmm. and there were some bad moments. So I'm gonna I think I liked it more than you did, um, but I didn't love it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a six point eight tires. So, for an average of six point six two uh six point two seven five, which is our lowest rating since uh season one so uh, I like that narrative yeah i I think that's I think that's sort of where we're at now um so uh look, you don't have it in the rundown, but I think this
1: and maybe you can't play, but it might be a good time for a little prognosticating, yes. Or yes. the questions here are the questions I'm hoping I'm yes. I'm interested in moving into next season. Yes. So like you said, we're getting a refresh or a paint a paint job, if you will. And that is difficult when you know it's it's almost like uh all right, I said I wanted a paint job, but you put an addition on the house and knocked off uh the back two thirds and <laughs> Right. You sort of did a you sort of did a rebuild rather than a paint job that I asked for. I'm interested to see because you know, like what's that what's the what's the what's the the production meeting like moving into that first table read? Well, I know all of your friends aren't here, uh, but I want to keep the spirit of the show. So here's an opportunity for David E. Kelly and the writing staff to say, okay, what is this show? What is the spirit? What is the heart of our show? What is the identity mm-hmm. of our show, if not for the majority of the cast? Uh My questions, because I don't know the answers to these questions, are, you know, because David had to fire everybody, does he wanna help people out and bring, and have a lot of cameos and use them as guest stars in order to kind of do solids? Or is the taste in said actor's mouths so sour that they don't wanna be affiliated with it? They're not interested in coming in for a guest spot. I could see either way. I don't know how cantankerous the, the fallout was.
0: Yeah. And we and we probably never will cuz it's it's not really our business, but it's certainly just interesting, you know. Well,
1: it's interesting on multiple fronts because what I was thinking about all week this week is that in when we first when we first started the podcast and as I've mentioned before and I'm and I'm I'll be very transparent here, we've had um some cast members of the show in big parts, small parts. Uh I wouldn't say like have a dialogue with us, but reach out and we've kind of we've kind of touched here and there. And we've been I don't want to say reluctant, but we haven't pursued many like opportunities to bring them into the show. And I feel like that was a because we just we kind of wanted to keep this a small little thing and let us be say what we want to say. But as I've come to see, there may be some feelings, right? I think enough time has passed now that, in fact, who was it that said that it was Ray, it was Ray Brito who said. You know, I'm so glad to see some attention being get put on this great show. I feel like it didn't, it doesn't. History isn't looking back with as much sort of applause as it should. Mm-hmm. And and I think he's right. And I think that maybe things ended in a way for certain people that it it doesn't get the sort of uh, pop culture recognition maybe that it would otherwise. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm just speculating here. Um, but what was really special and what I, I I'm it's hard to get back is when you get an ensemble of actors, we've talked about it, that that have a good personal relationship and a great professional relationship working together. And when at the height of its show and this ensemble is working together, you that's what forms identity and that's what forms the intangible quality that draws people to watch. Can you have that without your 90% of your cast? I don't know.
0: Well, I, I mean, I, I guess it really does, it begs the question, well, what is the identity of the show? Right. Right? Is it the characters or is it the cases? And, you know, and I'm, I love the characters and I I, I I, love the actors more than I love the characters, frankly.
1: Yeah, fair. But,
0: you know, I'm here for the cases. I'm here for the, for the ideas. I'm here for chewing on an idea, on a, on a concept, on a, on an injustice and, And so, uh, certainly at this point in, like, if I put myself in 2003, I'm like, okay, it sucks to have lost all of those characters and all those actors. So, like, get back to the cases. Get back to the ideas. Get back to the, like, and uh, obviously we're going to- Looks
1: like we have that opportunity because if you really look outside of, like, Eugene's drama with his wife and son for a few episodes here and there, which weren't- about Eugene they were more about how his personal life was affecting these cases no, or look the, uh, at...
0: or vice versa but yes. right
1: when you look at Cameron and Eleanor yes we had some discussion of her personal life with the baby and stuff but Mo and the boy but all of that was sort of secondary except for the sort of the guy the you know the nun guy but my point is these generally those two characters are very much about the courtroom. Uh, right. And so, uh, who knows how the decision was made to keep those two? But I feel like those are great anchor points. And Jimmy's still there too. Uh, and Jimmy, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Uh, I feel like that's a good trio for to anchor. Yeah. A, a new
0: tactic. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm excited. There's going to be a lot fresh mm-hmm. about season eight, and um, I'm I'm excited because we're gonna we're gonna go out with a bang, one way or the other, folks. That is it for Season 7. Can you believe it? If you would like to contact us, you can reach us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at outofpracticepodcast. While you're there, the door is closing to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other service of your choice. We will happily and gratefully welcome you to The Jury other people we're grateful for our founding sponsors who have helped fund this little podcast of ours, including Jorge Cloud CloudLover69, Leanne Wrights, Jennifer Masanova, and Kari Kuhn. Folks, the door
1: might be closing, but we're going to keep it open and we'll keep the light on you for you. Would you like to give us some money? We can use it. Trust me. <laughs> for stuff. All right? We for need stuff. stuff.
0: Wow. <laughs> Links in the show notes. You write a lot of grants?
1: Uh, Links in the show notes to one-time donation, monthly contribution. In the future, Patreon coming your way for other shows. That's a different story for another time. Uh, Also, we've got other shows on the channel. So like us on YouTube, thumbs up. Check out the other stuff we have doing. Star Trek, pop culture, and beyond all coming down the pike. Folks, they fired everybody. The budget was too big. We don't have a budget, never will, so we're sticking around. Laser sounds. Laser sounds. I don't know what I said, but I went for it. <laughs> so. When
0: do we ever?